Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Patrick Smith, for the second time, and hopefully not the last. Let's see how many accidental partridges I do in half an hour. We've got plenty to discuss in this busy, festive period, and joining me for this Christmas episode with the perfect blend of youth and experience. Well, at first, we have Chief LSC writer for the Liverpool Echo, Ian Doyle. Hello, Doyle. Hello there. I- am, I the- am I the youth bit? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'll let you be the judge of that. As Pep Blinders said in his press conference, age is just a number. Certainly not a quote you want out of context, anyway. Well, we've got our fellow Liverpool Echo child prodigy as well. <laughs> Remember the name, Keith McDonald. Keith, welcome along. Good afternoon. Um, yeah, to be fair, it's better than, better than my last appearance. I was compared to, my hairline was compared to Wayne Rooney's. Um, so, to be honest, I don't know if I am the youth or the experience, but I'll, uh, I'll take either, to be fair, at this, at this rate. Well, this is a hairline-free safety zone, Keith, whatever you want it to be. Let's get stuck right into the football. There are plenty to look back on after last night's Carabao Cup exit at the Etihad following the conclusion of the World Cup break. Doyle, let's start with you. You were there at the Etihad last night. Have you had any further thoughts today on your verdict of last night's results? Um, Well, we got given a Christmas dinner, which was a great bonus before the game, to be fair. So we were quite happy with that. In terms of the game itself, when you consider that both teams hadn't played properly for about six weeks and they were playing not quite full-strength teams, I'd argue that City's was a bit more full-strength than Liverpool. It was a good game, wasn't it? Good game. I mean, I know that you know some people will say, oh, look, Liverpool, they won two trophies last year and they've already now got knocked out of one of them or they can't, they can't defend it, I should say. And they'll use that as a, you know, as a stick to beat them with after what happened in the first part of the season. But I disagree with that. I thought while there were some you know, obvious issues that need to be, you know, addressed, certainly defensively. But just overall, I thought Liverpool played reasonably well. You know, the City away is the hardest game you can have probably in football at the moment. And Liverpool got it first ta- first game out to, after six weeks, as I said, after six weeks off. I mean, you know, City also had ta- uh, their time off. But it was quite interesting, I thought, you know, City had gone five games without a win against Liverpool going into this game. And you could tell that there's no way that, that, that Guardiola wanted to make it six. And I think it was quite telling that the winner was scored by Nathan Ake, who was obviously playing for Holland in the quarterfinals of the uh, of the World Cup, alongside Virgil van Dijk. And where was Virgil van Dijk? He was sat at home watching it on telly because he was given an extended rest. And uh, I do think if van Dijk had been playing, I do wonder whether Haaland scores that goal, whether you know, it's the first goal where the City have got that many players free at the far post to score the, uh, the eventual winner. But, you know, that's all ifs and buts and whatever have you. But... I think overall, yeah, and Klopp didn't seem too, you know, while he was obviously disappointed they lost, I don't think he was too despondent. And I think there was enough there for Liverpool to be working, uh, going along with. And it was a, you know, it, it's, it is the less of the four trophies or the competitions that Liverpool are in. Personally, I really like the League Cup, so I was a bit, bit upset that they got knocked out. But if you're going to lose, lose at Manchester City going down fighting. So, you know, it's, that's a proper way to go out. I mean, that's the thing as well. Obviously, it wasn't, 
exactly a strong Liverpool lineup, whereas for City, it was relatively first choice aside from three or four players. I mean, Kiefer, that's going to dominate the talk. Should we be concerned about the depth of quality within the Liverpool team? Because, for example, if City wanted to change, you know, they had a plethora of options on the bench available. Could Liverpool now start being concerned with the depth of quality within the team? Perhaps, I mean, you know, City have quality options to choose from, whereas Liverpool are sort of forced into making changes sometimes, aren't they? Yeah, I can, I can see both sides. So, I mean, I think everyone knows that Jurgen Klopp's never really been a big a big fan of having a massive squad. He's always kind of kept it down to, you know, a happy medium. And I think, obviously, over the last, you know, seven years, he's, he's struck that pretty well. You know, you look at, obviously, the trophies they've won and the points side they've achieved. You know, who are we to argue and say, you know, that the, the, the number of, you know, elite world-class players that he is managing, he's doing them wrong or whatever. So, I think, obviously, he it's just obviously been the, the centre-back crisis the other year. Obviously, that was kind of a... Obviously, it was a bit of a freak time, really. Um, obviously, the amount of games that were played, and obviously the injuries in, in such positions. And then, obviously, when they did strengthen in the in that January window, obviously, you know, Ben Davis obviously didn't kick a ball for the rest of that season, and obviously, Kabak had the injury midway through. So then they were left without midfielders again. Obviously, Henderson did a stint at the back, so did Fabinho. Um, and then, to be fair, like even you know more recently now with with the injuries to Diogo Jota and, and Luis Diaz, you can. Can argue that you know they're they're pretty freak really. Obviously, Jota came back. Obviously, has a couple of good games. Plays really well in that one 0 victory over City, and then it's what the 95th, 96th minute he gets picks up that kind of again a bit of a freak injury. Um, and then obviously Diaz, obviously he gets the injury at Arsenal, and obviously his rehabilitation is going well. And you know everyone thinks that he's in line for a return after the World Cup. Um, obviously, goes out to Dubai, and and then you know as, as Klopp kind of says, they did took a look at it, and obviously. Worse than obviously first feared, and obviously now he's going to be set for a spell on the sidelines. But it, it just—I don't think that's something you could necessarily plan for. I mean, if you look at when everyone is fit, obviously they, they brought Nunes in. In I think I think initially as well. I think everyone's kind of talking about the forward department now. Obviously, you, you know you're going to be playing one of probably Oxlade Chamberlain or, or Cavalier on the left, and obviously move Nunes out into the middle. Obviously play Salah on the right. But I think you know, like I said, they, they, they brought Nunes in in the summer for for a big fee. Um, and if you're kind of looking at all your options, and obviously with Firmino under last, last year of his contract, obviously more of a, a more reduced role, you know, they've got four or five, you know, decent options there across, you know, the, the, the front four or five positions. Um, you know, Jossa can, can play off the right, off the left, down the middle. Obviously, Diaz can play on the left. Um, you know, even Nunes can play on the left, play down the middle. So I think they, they have got enough. And obviously, you throw Carvalho into that. And, and even if you were desperate, you could probably throw Elliot in as a, a right sided cover. Um, but I, I do think, obviously, that there was kind of the, the freak injuries in, in recent weeks. Maybe I've turned that, and obviously Klopp said today that you know that they will kind of look if, if as he kind of always says, doesn't he? In January, if the if the right things there and available, you know, they'll they'll explore it in the in the mid-season transfer window. And obviously, that's kind of what they did with Diaz last year. But I think obviously everyone knows that the January transfer window is is not a, a great window for buying clubs. Obviously, you know put a World Cup tax on that as well, which obviously you wouldn't normally get, is it does make it a difficult, um, it does make it difficult for buying clubs and obviously give selling clubs, you know, a huge amount of power. And obviously, you know, I know it's business as normal is the kind of message that's coming out of Liverpool at the moment in terms of, you know, everything that's going on with the ownership, it's not really going to affect transfers. But, you know, considering what you think maybe might happen in the summer in terms of, you know, certain players, you know, maybe joining midfielders for, for big fees, you know, would Liverpool now go out in the January transfer window and spend, you know, an extra, an excess on an extra 30 million on top of a player who would have been available in the summer for, you know, 25, 30 million. So obviously there's all those kind of conversations and discussions to have. But 
Um, you know, as Dolly says, I don't think obviously they weren't disgraced last night at all. You know, if Liverpool get through, I mean, they easily take they could easily on another night take that to penalties, and then you know, you obviously you'd fancy yourselves on penalties with, with Keller and goal, and and all of a sudden if they're in the, the fifth round and they've, they've knocked City out, obviously Chelsea have gone out as well. You're probably looking at United as obviously the, the last big team left, um, and all of a sudden you know no one's really complaining again, are they? So I just think it's such you know fine margins and obviously a flip of a coin really, but. Um, you know, I would maybe like to see one addition in, in January, but you've got to think what that looks like with, you know, in terms of their plans for Firmino, and, you know, because obviously he's got what he's entered the last seven months of his contract now. Obviously, they're probably going to have already had discussions about that. They'll probably have an idea of what they want to do. Um, so, you know, when everyone's fit, if he's kind of like the fifth choice or the sixth choice, whatever it will be, that might make more sense than, than going out and spending 40, 50 million on, on someone who's going to be at the bottom of the pile kind of thing. I mean, it's a good point you made there, Keith, about, you know, you get inflated prices in January anyway, but let alone this World Cup tax that's going to be on top of that. I mean, it could be the most expensive January window we've ever seen. I mean, Doyle, there's plenty of speculation surrounding transfers. It's sort of increased following the press conferences from Pep Linders referring to Enzo Fernandez by his first name, and particularly Jurgen Klopp today. I mean, he was relatively open about the fact that he would be interested in making some transfers as, you know, as plainly as he could possibly say in the press conference, do you think it's much more likely now following this past week that Liverpool will make some business in January and, you know, will go in for, let's say, Enzo Fernandes or Drew Bellingham? No. <laughs> before we go before we go any further, we'll come back to transfers in a minute. Can we talk about the light show at the game last night before the game? I mean, I'm not, sure what, I'm not sure what you saw on television. I know Keeper was in the away end. I'm not sure what you saw on television, but... It started with like smoke going off in the corners of the stadium. We were all like sat there going, "What's going on here?" You know, there's quite a lot of people not particularly well with you no know, respiratory problems and stuff. It's like, oh, just all this, you know, what, you know, what, what's all this smoke happening? And we thought maybe the crowd were going to magically appear from behind it because there wasn't that many people in at that point. <laughs> they did all turn up eventually, by the way. But then that light show, it was like. I mean, it was like you were like at Creamfields or something. It was like, it was, then it ends with like, it ends with them going on about disco and it's stuff like, hang on, it's the Carabao Cup. I know they've not been there for six weeks, but come on. You know what I mean? In the last game, they got beat by Brentford, didn't they? So maybe they just thought everybody needed cheering up. But I was expecting you know. Pep Guardiola to come in like Apollo Creed and Rocky Four, I think. Well, that's, that's it. It. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was just, what? <laughs> it was just stupid. It's like, can you imagine that happening at Anfield? Honestly, they, they literally no. just, everyone would just turn around and walk out. It just, yeah. uh, I mean, let's be honest. I'm all for innovation, you know, certainly around games. People, fans pay an awful lot of money to go to games. And it's, it's not just about actually watching the match itself, but some things are just, come on, pack it in, stop that. Anyway, transfers, yeah. Um, no, they're not going to sign Fernandez, no chance. They're not going to spend 100 million euros on a player they could have got for less than half that about six months ago. That would be stupid. So you can forget that one. Uh, Bellingham, he's not going to join in January, is he? If they're going to sign him, it'll be in, it'll be in, a, it'll be in the summer unless something remarkable happens. So, in terms of Liverpool signing players, if they do sign somebody, which they've said, you know, they've said they're always looking, and they always do look. So there's nothing new in what's been said there. It's interesting. Klopp said today, you know, he, he kind of hinted that if you look at our situation, we are going to be looking. Well, the situation is they've got two left wingers who are. They were out injured until February and March at the very least. So if they are bringing somebody in, it'll probably be somebody to to help out up front, I'd have thought. So from that point of view, they will be looking. But again, they haven't got 
It's not like City and United. After Jamie Carragher said, did they, two, did they need £250 million investment in the squad to get near to the top? I'm not sure that, whether that's quite true. But, you know, we did point out that Chelsea and United spent an awful lot of money in the last couple of uh, couple of windows. And that, that is true. And, you know, City will always be able to splash the cash. And then you've got uh, Newcastle. They'll, they'll be spending money and they'll have a little bit of a, a premium on top of that because nobody wants to really move to Newcastle. It's the old... When Middlesbrough had had the money, they did they show them round Yarm and say, "No, it looks really nice there." And then they go to the Riverside and they did say that's all right at the end. Actually, that's, that's all for Newcastle, nice city. Um, but yeah, in terms of the World Cup, never buy a player on the back of a World Cup. Never, never, ever, 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 ever do it. World Cup premium. The World Cup premium is as much in the cost, but it's like let's say that the the, the Moroccan guy's name I've forgotten already. Amrabat is it? Yeah, Stop that's it. Amrabat, yeah. yeah. Do not sign him now. He's going to be absolutely shattered. He will be. He'll be absolutely, you know, you're not going to get much much out of him for the next couple of months. And that's exact, the exact time is now when Liverpool do need someone to come in and make an instant impact. They're not going to, you know, what happened with Diaz last year? The keeper said that's unusual, doesn't normally happen. They did these, they obviously signed Diaz six months early because they were going to sign him in the summer and they saw there was an opportunity. Well, Tottenham came in for him, didn't they? So they wanted to take, make sure he didn't go there. And, and it worked out for them. They tried it with Cavalio as well, and uh, you know I thought he thought he did okay. Well, he did okay to a point on uh, on Thursday. It was interesting, really, because he, he kind of when he gets into the final third, he looks like he can do something. But and he and he obviously scored the goal very well. It took it very well, but he gets knocked off the ball very easily because you forget that he's twenty and he's not quite physically there. He's not used to the Premier League, so you can't really be putting too much on him playing on the left wing. Ox came on and did well, I thought. But again, he's hardly played all season. So you've got these two players who are competing for that left wing role because Nunes, who was there, has to play up front because Firmino's injured. So this is the thing. If Liverpool are going to sign somebody for an immediate impact, it's not going to be midfield. It's going to be somebody up front. And then, you, and then you're thinking, well, as Keeper said, are they going to give Firmino a new contract? I don't know. They've had talks. It's just then it's 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 all about long term planning. So while Liverpool. You asked me the question, will they sign somebody in January? Fernandez, no. Bellingham would be amazed if he did. Doesn't mean they're not going to sign Bellingham in the future. But if they are going to sign somebody, I would not be surprised if it was somebody to, to help out that, that forward line. And there will be players available, not necessarily ones who played at the World Cup. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I mean, you touched on Nunes and Firmino there. We'll come back to them. But I'm going to stay with this attacker's situation in February, Kiefer. I mean, obviously, we've got two of the best attackers in the league. I think Europe returning in February or March. If Liverpool were to move in for an attacker, you know, do you think they'd maybe struggle to convince them on that basis? You know, Because either you'd sign someone who would be a starter anyway, which would cost a lot of money, or maybe someone at the level of an Origi or a Minamino. You know, I think that's maybe an option we'd miss this season because last year we could use them as a sort of, last draw of the dice or we'd use them in a game like last night for example do you think that's the sort of player they'll move in for in January? Yeah potentially that's, that's probably the profile isn't it but like you say it's a bit of a catch-22 because 
you know, if you, if you kind of go down the, the route of, you know, future proofing and you sign someone, you know, just say Carvalho didn't play for Liverpool and he was, you know, the, the kind of a mold of a player you were looking at, he's not going to be someone who'd come in and, and kind of make an immediate impact. Um, and then obviously the other end of the, the, that kind of, the other side of that is, you know, someone who's in their prime and had a really good World Cup and, you know, you can say, um, you know, come to Liverpool kind of thing, you know, we've not got these players till March or February time, whatever. But what happens then when, when they both return and, you know, I mean, if you, obviously I know Jota's had a, a few injuries since he's, since he's been here, but so Diaz has obviously played a lot of football and he doesn't tend to pick up too many from, from kind of what, we, what we've seen over the last year. So it's like, do you sign someone and then say, oh, by the way, when they're both back, you're going to be fifth or sixth choices. And then obviously to compensate that, do you, you know, you might have to give higher wages and, and all that kind of thing. So it's, it does get a bit messy and a bit difficult. So obviously it's kind of easy to see why Klopp's kind of said, you know, we'll be looking, as Dolly says, they always kind of say that they're always kind of aware and, and open. Um, but I, I just think it, it, it could be quite difficult just because the quality of the forward line when everyone is fit and firing is, you know, is, is, is really strong. Um, obviously, Firmino is going to be out for for a couple of games, so you'd, you'd imagine maybe back for Brentford, um, and then obviously that you can you can have Nunes and then Cavalier and then Chamberlain as your left sided options, um, and then obviously Nunes can maybe compensate down the middle as well if you want to rotate with Firmino. So it might just be a case of you know they, they just look at that and think you know we can get by. I think there's seven games and that's all the start of February. I mean, you think even in that time, you know, if if uh, if Jota's back, you know, you you wouldn't imagine he'd be thrown straight into it given kind of the the nature of the injury so um you know then you're probably looking at a couple of games to build up fitness and all that kind of routine and whatever so you know you're probably looking at mid-february the, the kind of real madrid game aren't you the home leg is potentially round about the time they could come back so all of a sudden you're in the business end of the season the kind of the home stretch so it is, it is a really difficult one and, and obviously kind of all the points that we've just said about world cups and premiums and all that and and squad states is I, ju- I just think it'll be quite difficult to to kind of sanction a deal and maybe find that right profile. And, you know, Liverpool have been so good at finding that right profile and right balance of people and, and players. So I don't think it's something they would, you know, want to jeopardise, you know, for such a, a short period, you know, giving it probably six, you know, six weeks at the most until they have at least one of, you know, Diaz or, or Jota back. Yeah, I think the profile that I and most Liverpool fans would like to see is a bit of pace, some natural width, someone who could perhaps play on both wings to provide more cover because, you know, say, God forbid, Salah gets injured. We don't really have anyone who's naturally a right-sided winger. Anyway, let's move on though to Darwin Nunes. Dolly. I mean, not the best of nights for him last night. Nice assist for Mo Salah, of course. He missed quite a few chances. I'd not be too harsh in criticising because but that's exactly what I have just done. But to nick a stat from our own Josh Williams from Analyzing Anfield, um, Nunes posted the highest conversion rate of any player with 55-plus non-penalty shots in Europe's top six leagues last season. So he's clearly got the finishing within him. Should we be expecting more from him? Um, well, eventually, yeah. I mean, he, he, don't forget that when they when they split up, sounds like they had some holidays, didn't it? When they when they when they split up uh, for the World Cup, he'd scored quite a few goals in the last couple of games. Hadn't he scored twice against Southampton? Had a decent game against Tottenham. Um, scored some other goals. I can't remember. Uh, but he, he's obviously got up to nine after his false start, shall we say? After uh, his, his troubling first couple of uh, of weeks, which was inevitable in a way, really, but. I don't, I mean, I'd be more worried if he wasn't getting into those positions. I mean, he played City and he got it three times. The only worry is that he kept on doing the same shot and getting it wrong. So, you know, after the, after the second one, come on, you know, you know what you're doing here. But, you know, he is left-footed. He dragged it wide with his right foot. I suppose he could have gone with the other one. But 
Yeah, you know, I, 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 as I said before, I'd be more concerned if he wasn't getting. I thought he did a, he had a decent game, to be honest. Just all round, he, uh, you know, as you mentioned, he, he ran away from. To be honest, I thought it was Rodri at first, but it was Laporte. Although um, I think everybody wants to run away from Rodri, given the way he goes around knocking people over. He's massive. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those. It's what happens with the striker, though. Just what happens with the striker. I'm pretty sure if it had been. Any other player, they wouldn't have made a massive deal of it. But because it's Nunes and, you know, he's still coming to terms with playing in England to a degree. Uh, because I think we saw, as I said, with his overall performance, he's linking well with his teammates. They seem to be getting more out of it. The fact that he was released three times by his teammates just suggests that they know how to get the best out of him now. They know what kind of balls that he likes. And it's up to him to start putting them away. And, he, you know, and as you mentioned with that statistic, which... I kind of didn't quite understand fully. Um, it's just he basically got the best goal. He scores the most shot. No, most that he's got the best. Are you see what I mean? Matches. You can't. Even, you don't even know what it means. Yeah, the pressure's on here. The, the pressure's on. This isn't of any player in Europe with over fifty-five shots. So there we go. This isn't analysing Anfield. Come on. This is this is this is far more. This is more basic. This is not for for the people who know what they're talking about. This is for us. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, he, I wouldn't. I'm not, not worried about him at all, and he wouldn't be surprised if he if he gets a goal at, at Aston Villa on Monday because that's just the kind of player he is. And and as we mentioned before, with the injuries happening now, it just seemed a bit odd that it was only like it doesn't seem that long ago people were wondering how's he going to get into the team, and now it's like we're building the entire team around him. So that's what happens. That's what happens with football. Things change very very quickly, and you need all the players. And Liverpool are going to need him to start scoring, and I'm pretty sure that he will. I mean, talking of strikers then, Keith, the other striker in the side is Roberto Firmino, contract expiring in six months. I mean, we've spoken about this many times on many different podcasts. What should Liverpool do? Would you be looking to, you know, ease him out of this contract and bring a new striker in in January to sort of bed them in? Or is that something you wait for at the end of the season? I mean, I don't think anyone knows. I don't know if Jurgen Klopp may even know what he's going to do in that situation. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, I think everyone kind of said it on, you know, obviously the Salah contract over the past, you know, 18 months really has, has obviously dominated. And, and obviously before he kind of knew it, um, obviously Mane's and Firmino's contracts felt like they really did kind of creep up on on you. And it's only, what, two weeks or 10 days, whenever it is, that he'll be able to negotiate with, with overseas side. So that's always a worry, that kind of 1st of January day. I think, you know, once once you hit that, you you know, as we're going to see with the likes of Naby Keita and Oxlade Chamberlain as well, once you hit that, it it does feel like the writing's on the door. But I think maybe for me, you know, it does feel a bit different because obviously, you know, last season um, he didn't have the best of seasons. Obviously, he was injured quite a bit, but started this season quite well. And it's quite funny actually because he didn't actually play that well in certain games. But you know, I think the Brighton game, for instance, a three-three. Don't actually think he played particularly well, but obviously he gets gets two goals that day. I think and. Uh, you know, it's kind of just that he's obviously maybe um, evolving his game, adapting his game. Obviously, he kind of gets into his thirties, and and you know, he's he's not that you know that pressing centric figure that you know we we once saw and kind of once led the line. And obviously, that's obviously signaled by the signing of Nunes and kind of the changing of the guard. But um, I mean, obviously, it completely depends. I mean, first and foremost, first and foremost, what what does he want at this stage of his career? Does he want another challenge? Does you know, does he want something like Marnie? Does he want his last big, you know? change of experience or, or a massive paycheck maybe <laughs> yeah I want to say that in a nice possible way but um you know does he want that does his family want to, to relocate um obviously he's got kids hasn't he so is he does he want to stay in liverpool all these kind of things obviously factor into it kind of more than more than we know um obviously from from a liverpool point of view um i think you could do worse things than give him a two-year contract i mean to be fair like i would if if i mean it was kind of 
one of the three of them were all out of contract. Obviously, Marnie, Seller, and Firmino was 2023. You, were, you know, people kind of saying, "Well, I'd sacrifice Firmino if it means that we can keep those two. And everyone kind of had their own opinions. But and I probably, to be fair, would have sacrificed Firmino if it meant we could have could have kept Marnie. But obviously, the way things have obviously gone since, um, obviously, Firmino and Seller are the two still at the club. So I think I think I, I would I would keep him. Obviously, again, depends what what wages would he take a reduced contract? You know, kind of similar to. And what Milner did in the summer, well, it sounds is like obviously to extend by a year, um, you know. And then even if if he does one year and then then goes what when he's thirty two or thirty one, whatever, every bit if he, he went and then had a, you know, Liverpool maybe recoup some some money for him and he and he went yeah I don't know to Syria or somewhere like that. Uh, but I just think you could do do worse things and kind of keep him around, especially with, you know, we've seen Liverpool in, in the kind of early months of this season um, that you know they tried and. With a few, few uh, with a few different formations, and obviously he was kind of key to that in terms of you know he can play off the striker, can play in a two, can play on his own, can play in a false nine. Um, obviously gives you a lot of options, and obviously when you kind of got injuries like this at the minute, that could be key. You know, if you want to put you know Salah and Nunes as a, as a two up front and play Firmino behind, that gives you kind of a, a way to combat not having the wide players that that we'd normally have. So I, I think just the options he gives you, and obviously the trust that Klopp has in it has in him. Um, I also think obviously the dressing room is a big factor and you know whilst he he isn't the the, the most vocal player um, I just think to have those figures around who have you know won stuff and you know he's not past his sell by day as as I kind of said he's still scoring goals he's he's bagged quite a a few this season obviously certainly done better than last year Um, and like I said if you can get the right deal for for the the player and the club I I think it would be a no-brainer because you know at the end of the day he's still only 13 you know and it's a different age of footballers now. You know, when, when I was growing up, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, it was always when a player hit 30 or even like 29, 30, they were, they were done and they were dusted. And obviously technology's changed, recovery's changed. You know, footballers look after themselves far, be- far better than they did, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So that's all going to have a... I think psychologically, like I said, when you hit 30, it's right, right there done. But, you know, Firmino's obviously proven that. And obviously, you know, the likes of Salah, the likes of Milner, they're all, they're all kind of proved that in, in recent years. So... Yeah, I would, I would like to see him stay, but, you know, like I say, with, with the 1st of January approaching, um, I do think you start to, start to worry a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Cover your ears, Dolly, but, I mean, his goal conversion rate this season has been impressive. You know, he's come on, done a job for Liverpool when he, he's needed to. And the problem for me is, you know, he's maybe not at the peak of his ability, but I think a replacement that's suitable enough would be very expensive, particularly in January or maybe in the summer. To get someone with that skill set is also very difficult to find. You sort of have to train that player into that role. Um, Dolly, quickly before we move on to Boxing Day, Roberto Firmino, in one word, what would you do? One word? Okay, 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 contract. There you go. Let's move on. Let's move on to Boxing Day. Obviously, stay with you, Dolly. We've got Liverpool travelling to Aston Villa, 5.30 kickoff. I believe you're making the trip to the Midlands, Dolly? Yes, that's correct. That's my job. How important... (laughs) How important... (laughs) Of course, how important is this match that Liverpool's second half of the season? We saw last night that they weren't going through the motions as such. It was more, you know, getting the rustiness of a month-long breakout is going to happen. It was, albeit in very exciting fashion. Are you expecting something a bit different on Monday? Um, again, I think for anybody who's watching this on YouTube, I think the question is, which one of us three's got the best beard? I must admit, Pat, I think yours is yours is definitely... Yeah. You put a bit more effort into that. Although, keepers... Trying to distract from his Wayne Rooney hairline. Um, I'll, be honest, I'll, be, honest, I'll be honest. I'm not, <laughs> what, what, what is a hairline? I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> anyway, um, Villa. 
Villa's always a difficult place for Liverpool to go to. It, it has been in recent years. I mean, <laughs> I was there for the 7-2, which was still one of the most hilarious games of football I've ever been to. Just like ridiculous. Every time they had a shot, it was like hitting 16 players and going in. Um, even last season, they went 1-0 down, didn't they, very early on. And Liverpool managed to fight back, get the point. There was obviously the, the, the get the three points. There was obviously the, the 2-1 game when they won the league in um and in, that was kind of not a turning point, but that was a sign that they could do it in in uh, was it November November twenty nineteen uh, twenty nineteen I think it was yeah that they scored twice very late on, so this kind of fixture has that has that kind of ability to be quite pivotal and, and kind of shape the rest of the season for Liverpool. It'll be interesting because obviously Unai Emery is now in charge at, at Villa, uh, replacing Stephen Gerrard who got sacked, and um, he's I know Villarreal got beat by Liverpool in the uh, Champions League semi final. Back in uh, back in April May, but at half time of the second leg, like, you were wondering, oh my, oh dear, this doesn't look so good for Liverpool. So, and of course, he's, he's got a bit of history with the the Europa League fan with Sevilla as well. So, Emery knows how to set up a team. Klopp's a big fan of his, um, and it's going to be difficult for Liverpool. But, but from the same token, Liverpool have had one game now, and Villa didn't have one. So. They'll be well up for it. The crowd will be up for it. Boxing Day crowd, anyway. You know, Villa Park can be it can be a, a decent atmosphere when it gets going. Well, I think Liverpool quite enjoy playing there. I think they've, they've historically had quite some some quite good results. So it's probably the kind of game that they need because it's a game that's difficult, but it's it's winnable. But having said that, is Tottenham the only away game they've won this season in the league? It is, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. So. You know, well, we talk about that City result there being, a, you know, they were a bit unlucky, but they lost away again. And I think Liverpool have to start, they have to start somewhere picking up points on the travels because if they don't, they're not going to finish in the top four. It's as simple as that. So this is, you know, it's not a be on an end all game. It's only the 15th game of this Premier League season. But I think for setting up the second part of the season, I think a good result could could you know could really 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 help Liverpool, especially with the 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 other two games they've got coming up over the festive period. Leicester at home, Brentford away, not going to be easy. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I mean, yeah, as you mentioned there, Dory, there's no further reunions with Mr. Gerrard, unfortunately, for Liverpool fans. Obviously, Villa made the decision pre-World Cup to appoint Unai Emery. Plenty of Unai Emery references. From Villarreal to Villa, and hopefully he'll be having a good evening. Painful, I know. But I mean, something that was more. I managed to avoid that. that. <laughs> I managed to avoid that. Yeah, you know, I was showing that. I, mean, I was showing him some respect. Come on, come on. Man. <laughs> that. So, something more painful than those little references from me, though, Kiefer, is watching Unai Emery sides play against Liverpool. I mean, we saw it last year with Villarreal in the Champions League. I mean, we've seen it before with Sevilla. Are you expecting a similar test with this Villa side? Do you think they're going to really dig in, as we've seen, and you know, try and grind out for a nil-nil draw ultimately? I'm not sure, to be honest. It's a difficult one because, obviously, you know, typically you get new manager bounce, but it's a bit weird because, obviously, he had the, the game against United. It was his first game, wasn't it? I think just before the World Cup or one of his first games. Um, did they did they draw that? Was it 2-2, was it? I think, at United. 
Um, but I think they've definitely got a point. Um, and then obviously now they've obviously they went on a, a kind of a mid-season tour. They they played Chelsea, didn't they? And obviously now you know he's obviously it's an unusual time because obviously he's a point in mid-season, but now he's kind of had a pre-season. So it'd be really interesting to see kind of how how he kind of sets up and, and does he kind of go to the styles that we kind of saw with Seville and and, uh, and obviously Villarreal more recently in the Champions League last year and kind of. You know how they toppled some big teams, obviously Bayern on the way, Juventus, and, and obviously you know gave Liverpool a scare in the in the second leg. Um, obviously they're out without Emi Martinez, which is you know always a you know a good thing, um, a decent goalkeeper. Um, I think that Robin Olsen, there's talk of him maybe being injured as well or unavailable. So I know they played a behind closed doors game against Everton uh, this week, and there was a, a young lad who, who was between the sticks. So you know things like that could could help Liverpool, could help could help Darwin Nunes. Um, but as Dolly says, it's it's probably one of them where it's just getting the points on the board rather than the performance. It's something you can, you know, maybe think of at a later date when you've kind of got through all these fixtures that they're going to have over the next uh, three or four weeks. Because, you know, as, as Dolly says, the away form hasn't been good enough this season. Um, and, you know, if if, uh, if you're going to sacrifice points so easily on the road as, as Liverpool have done, then you've got you've got no, no, no chance. You've got no points. We've also got no chance of, of qualifying for the top four, which... Ultimately, could have you know pretty sizable short-term and long-term effects for Liverpool if they, if they were to miss out, especially with you know the rise of Newcastle and, and obviously Tottenham you know doing quite well. So um, yeah, it, as it, as I said, it's not a season-defining game, but it's one where you know now they've had the, the game against City, um, which I, which I think was you know in hindsight, obviously I know they're at the cup, but I think that game against City was a really good one to kind of just jump into the deep end. If if you think who else was in the Kind of the fourth round, if, if they played, I don't know, a Charlton at home or a, or a Blackburn or a Nottingham Forest, you you you, you might have had a um, a more passive game. Yes, Liverpool might have you know been in the next round or whatever, but you might have been dealt a reality check on on Boxing Day. But I think Liverpool, you know, as, as Doyle said earlier, it's the hardest away fixture in the league, and and they've they've done that and, they, and they've you know they've been thrown in the deep end. And obviously, yeah, there was there was some um, you know negatives within the performance, but I think there was. You know, plenty of positives. You know, Fabinho looked better. Chamberlain did well. Um, so I think it's more, you know, as Liverpool they focus on themselves, kind of thing, and obviously don't get too distracted with how they how Emery could set up. I, I think you know they, they should be okay, um, and then you just hope that they can you know take that into the resulting weeks and you know Leicester and Brentford and then obviously the FA Cup break. But yeah, it's something certainly for them to, to build on and, and hope they can kind of close that gap between themselves and, and Tottenham in, in fourth. Yeah, definitely. From last night's match against City, I think the positives definitely outweigh the negatives. And while Villa, you know, it's not a crucial game to the season, I think it's so important you get up on the right foot in the league the second half of the season. And as Dawley mentioned, Liverpool's away record is so poor. I think you need to start, you know, start right, start winning away from home and really rack up some points. Otherwise, top four is going to, you know, be out of our grasp comes to the spring, which could be a huge problem. But anyway, let's move on to our team selector. I mean, there's naturally going to be plenty of changes from that League Cup tie. Alison Becker, we presume, will be between the sticks. A bit of a disappointing World Cup quarterfinal exit for him. So let's go straight into the back four with you, Doyle. Young Klopp giving some team news hints. He's expecting Virgil van Dijk and Trent Alexander-Arnold to be fit. Would you like to kick things off with them with your back four, Doyle? Yeah, uh, Villa beat United 3-1, by the way, and then lost and then lost 4-2 against them a few days later in the in the League Cup. So that was just a... I thought it was two-two as well. What game was that? That was the that was the last season, wasn't it? Yeah. The Coutinho scored. Coutinho, yeah, okay. one, yeah. Yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Trent, Van Dijk, Matip, and Robertson. Would you like to elaborate on your choices? <laughs> well, it's because they're the best four that are available. 
judging on the uh, on, on the way things have gone lately. Keith, are you similar lines? And if so, would you like to talk through midfield? Uh, yeah, I've gone the same at, at the back. Um, Gomez obviously didn't cover himself in, in glory last night, but Matic was decent. Um, obviously, we saw in, in the in the final pre-season, uh, mid-season game against Milan, kind of how he brings the ball out, and he did that again last night for the for the first goal. And I, I just think, as I think I said on the pod last week, that it's you know something that kind of everyone you know laughs in as a joke about, don't they? Kind of Matic and his kind of marauding runs, but they are so important, you know, as we saw last night. So. Um, you know, for all is well with Van Dijk and obviously kind of coming back from his extended break, I think came back on Wednesday, they said, didn't they? Didn't, didn't he? So um, that would I'd be the same back four or back five, even as, as Doily. Uh, midfield, I'd, I'd go for Binho. Thought he looked good last night. Um, looked better. His positioning was, was better um, than it has been, you know, since since really the, since he came back from injury at the Champions League final. Um, and then Hendo on the right um, and Thiago on the left. Just think again. That's our, our best midfield probably at the minute. Obviously, Elliot's played. I know he's had the break, but obviously played a lot of football. Obviously, Henderson probably maybe riding away from from the World Cup did did well for England. Felt like maybe a change of scenery did him quite well. Um, you know, nowhere is he. He's not as close to the heights that he was in in 2019, 2020. But obviously, a different age, stage of his career. And you know, I, I just think it'd be good to maybe like as as Dolly said, Villa Park. You know, can be rocky, and it's going to be Boxing Day football. I just think maybe kind of have his kind of leadership in there and then if you if you are searching for a goal maybe you can throw someone like Elliot on with with half an hour to go but I just think set up with your strongest midfield give it a solid base. So Willie, how about you for midfield what are you going for? I'm not playing Fabinho <clears throat> he can be on the bench he's I don't think he's he's ready yet uh I don't think he's just he's merited being in the team to be honest uh Henderson uh, with Thiago and Elliot because I think yeah Elliot hasn't played Many games, so obviously over the past six weeks because he hasn't been playing. Um, and I think you know, the Liverpool needs some legs in midfield. And while he wasn't his best game against City, he's still, I mean, he's still a little bit guilty at times of holding on to the ball for a bit too long. It's almost like he's trying to make his mind up what he wants to do. But when he stops thinking about it and just starts doing it and just you know running forward, you saw that in the first half in particular, he, he causes problems. So I think. If I'm expecting Villa to just be the kind of way that they're going to be, they're going to be pressing quite a lot. And I think Liverpool needs some legs in midfield. And I think Elliot can bring that. Yeah, I mean, just to touch on last night, I think it was a huge ask for Elliot and Bajetic in that midfield against Rodri, De Bruyne and Gundogan. I mean, I doubt they'll have a tougher test than that in their entire career, potentially. A bit of a harsh one for them. I'll stay with you, though, Dolly, then for your attack. Who are you going for in the front three? Well, uh, Ben Doak. Um, he's not playing. Um, it's a shame, really, because I would have been, I would have quite enjoyed seeing him last night. But he's only seventeen, so there's plenty of time to see him playing for Liverpool again. Uh, from playing against Wolves, to be honest, in the FA Cup, it, the only real choice is on the left wing because Nunes will be up front and Salah on the right. I think Ox, Blake Chamberlain, has got ahead of Carvalho on the strength of his performance in the second half. Although, as we said earlier, that Carvalho scored the goal, did well. So, what that will mean then, of course, is Liverpool have. They will have some options on the bench, to be honest. They will have some options, just not many massively attacking ones. You know, you could have you know, Cavalio's one, and who's after that? Actually, is there anyone after that? No, probably. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. See, that's the, the whole point. That goes back to what we were saying before about the transfers. If Liverpool are going to sign somebody, it's probably going to be someone attacking. Yeah, definitely a replacement attack. I mean, Kiefer, Oxlade-Chamberlain has been pretty impressed with his past couple of games. He's slowly getting some form. That means he's almost definitely going to get another eight-month injury probably in his next couple of games, unfortunately for him. Are you going for a similar front three as Dolly, though? Yeah, uh, Oxlade on the right, Nunes and, and Salah. You know, I think that obviously Salah and Nunes, you know, despite his, his misses last night, I think obviously picked themselves. 
Um, I think obviously, as Dolly says, Oxley Chamberlain probably just um, nipped ahead of, of Carvalho in the pecking order. Obviously, Carvalho started the, the first friendly, didn't he, against Leon and, and scored. Um, but Oxley Chamberlain, I thought he was, he was good against Milan. Um, was good coming in field, and then obviously last night gets gets a pre-assist if you want to call it that with a with a brilliant ball to Nunes, who then obviously tees up Salah. Um, so yeah, I, I would go for Ox, and you know, obviously had um, obviously kind of a frustrating first half to the season. So obviously it's very unlikely that he's going to sign a new contract. We just hope that he can you know get a few games under his belt between now uh, and the end of the season, a just to kind of show what he can do to you know potential potential suitors but also I think he deserves that in his Liverpool career I think too many times he's missed out on big moments so it would be nice for him to kind of I think you know obviously he's not going to be first choice when, when Diaz and Jota are back but between now and then if he can kind of contribute something in his final season I think that would be a nice way and a fitting way kind of for him to go out and you know instead of having all the kind of negative kind of injury memories that kind of everyone does have of him it would just be nice for him to kind of have one final like swan song so hopefully he can continue that we'll start that should I say on, on box day against Villa I mean, he's looking sharp, you know, touch wood. He hopefully does stay fit and injury-free because his recovery seems to have been done better than previous injuries. I think the World Cup break has almost helped that because now I think he looks 100% fit and ready to go. So, you know, let's all pray that Oxford Chamberlain doesn't get another one of those big injuries. Dolly, though, let's move on to your match prediction. How do you think it's going to go? Again, what top have you got on there? Is it, is that... uh, FC Nuremberg. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't quite work it out. I don't know why I was peering over the top of his screen there. It's as if I could probably see <laughs> down the front. Yeah. That's how, that that is gone. obviously how things work, is it? Yeah. Um, uh, well, score prediction. Oh. Uh, I think Liverpool win 2 1. Keeper? Uh, they've got a history of 2 1s, but I'll be different. I'll say 1 0. Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty painful one. I can see it being 0 0 for the majority of the game. I think Liverpool just nick it though towards the end or hopefully so anyway well I think that just about does us there a huge thank you to Ian Doyle and Keith McDonald once again making me feel as comfortable as ever in the blood red hot seat I, th- I think we've course. done it I think, you do, I, think, I think a round of applause for Pat there come on I think he's done really well there thank you've you got, got, a future. got a future <laughs> I like the by Chetich of the blood red podcast <laughs> of course you look a little bit like him to be fair <laughs> <laughs> awesome man <laughs> I play like him as well. You should come and see me. And of course, a huge thank you for all of you watching and listening along. Be sure to subscribe and keep up to date with the Blood Red YouTube channel and whatever platform you get your podcasts from. We've got plenty of festive content coming your way, including analysing Anfield on Saturday and an Ale La Rouge and Poetry Emotion Christmas mashup ahead of the build-up to Liverpool's trip to Aston Villa. But for myself, Patrick Smith, Ian Doyle and Keith McDonald, thank you very much for joining us. Enjoy the holiday season and we'll catch you all again soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.